Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, let's take our Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 13 to start off with here tonight. It was back in 2011 that I first preached on this subject, Enemies of the Soul and Family. At that time, if you can remember back that far, the title of our message was Seven Enemies of the Soul. There are more enemies now of the soul and family that have arisen in these latter days. And so we're going to add three to the list. Now, I see Greg getting up there and walking back and forth. Um, When I was sick, this was like three weeks ago, Aaron Priest, I was sick and Shelly and I, uh, she was sick too. So we were both home watching live stream and we saw the back of this head up here and we're like, who is that? And we had the hardest time figuring out who that was with that nice, shiny, bald head right there. And uh, my wife said, that's not Mike Corser, is it? And I said, no, no, Mike's got a little bit more than that on top. And then we finally figured out it was Greg that was up here. All right. So anyway, we're going to add three to that list now. It was three weeks ago that I was supposed to preach on this, but I got sick, and so Aaron preached and did a great job. And then we had to go up north, and I called Ben, and I said, Ben, I don't know. This was a couple Wednesdays ago. I said, I don't know whether we're going to get back in time. If I don't get back in time, are you ready? He goes, yep, I'm ready. I can preach for you. We did get back in time, but he still wouldn't let me preach. Uh, He was ready to go, so I went ahead and let him preach. He did a great job. And then last week was Bible school, so here we are. We're not going to look at the ten enemies of the soul tonight. We're only going to take the first five. okay? And we're going to do this a little bit differently than I usually do. We're going to spend some time tonight reading the scriptures. All right? And so I want some of you men just to be ready as I throw those scriptures up there. You be the minute men and have your Bible ready that in a minute you can go to that passage of scripture and stand up and read it for us. Today I had a young man come over to the house. We did some discipleship together and he made this comment to me he's recently uh, professed faith in christ and he made this comment he said you know everybody is a child of god i said no that's not true not everyone is a child of god jesus said year of your father the devil and the lust of the of your father you will do i said it's true in the sense that god has given us all physical life but only those who trust him as their lord and savior can call him father And I want you to notice here in Matthew chapter 13, the whole chapter is parable after parable after parable of our Lord. But I want to pick up with verse 37. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, is the Lord Jesus. The field is the what? We live in this world. And in this world, seed is being sown. Christ is sowing seed And so is someone else. Who is the someone else? The God of this world is also sowing seed. Here in this passage of Scripture, Satan is called our enemy. Our enemy. 
The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Aren't you thankful you're part of the kingdom of God? But the tares are the children of who? The wicked one. So not everyone is a child of God. The enemy that sowed them is what? Is the devil. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd bless the teaching of your word tonight as we look at ten enemies of our own personal soul and lives and enemies of the family. Our families today are being destroyed. Even Christian families are being destroyed by this enemy, the devil. Help us to realize how he operates and the tools that he uses to bring destruction to our soul and to our family units. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said? All right, let's take our Bible now and let's turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Begin with verse 9. When you're there, say amen. Okay. 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation, the children of the kingdom. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, or we should be. A peculiar people, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are strange, although most of us are. You ever, you ever notice how we all have a tendency to think everybody else is really strange? And then everyone else thinks we are too? A peculiar people. This is a people that belong to the Lord, not the tares, but the children of the kingdom, the wheat. We are a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. We once were those tares. He's called us out of darkness into marvelous light. What a privilege to be a child of God. Verse 10. Which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God through conversion which have not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Dear the beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, now let's say it together, ready? Which war against the soul. Fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Dear the beloved, I beseech you. What does that word beseech mean? We don't use that word anymore. What does it mean? It means to beg. It means literally to beg with all of your heart. Sometimes I feel like that's what I'm doing up here when I'm preaching. I'm literally begging you with my whole heart to walk with the Lord, to put Christ first in your life, to turn to Him and to live for Him. Do the beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Is there fleshly lust everywhere we go? There certainly is. And it is a warfare. <clears throat> 
Fellows, I don't know why we're having trouble here, but we are having trouble. I think the missionary was having trouble. And uh, so maybe I'll have to tell you to go ahead. And for some reason, I put new batteries in the clicker and it's still not working. Moses said these words. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine, what? Heart, talking to parents. The war against the family, the war against the soul and against the family. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, parents, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Why? Because our children need the protection of the word of God all around them. Because there's a war for the soul going on. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, just in daily conversation, when thou uh, walkest by the way, when you're just out doing your daily responsibilities and chores, and when thou liest, what? Down before you go to bed at night, and when thou, what? Riseth up, we are to be talking about the Lord. We're to be instilling the principles of Scripture into the lives of our children. Why? Because we have an enemy who's after our souls and who's after our families. Give me an amen. amen. I think we all know that. So we're going to be looking at <clears throat> this. Go ahead, guys. Move me ahead. I really hope that you can fix this. Okay? When we talk about spiritual warfare, our minds quickly go to Ephesians chapter 6 where, we, where it talks about the armor of God. Go ahead, fellas. Move it ahead. So here we find the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his what? Might. Put on the, put on the what? Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we need to be strong in the Lord by putting on the whole armor of God, by being vigilant when it comes to doing warfare against our enemy, not to give him ground in any way in our lives and in our families. We are to endure the hardship that Satan brings our way. And I'm telling you, it's not easy living for the Lord in a perverted society. It's not. So we need to stand fast in our faith, and then the Lord promises great reward for those who do that. So the armor of God, that's not where we're going to go here tonight, but we need to put every piece of that armor on. And one thing I want you to understand is that every piece of this armor that we are to put on, if we don't put it on, then we're going to be vulnerable in this particular area. But every piece of armor that the soldier is to wear relates directly back to the Word of God. And so that's why it's so important to be strong in the Word. They overcame the wicked one because they were what? They were strong in what? They were strong in the Word. And so you will, listen, you will never, ever live a victorious Christian life until you recognize I'm in a spiritual warfare. I have to put on the armor of God. Every piece of armor relates to the Word of God. I need to be engaged. I just can't sit back and let just Satan run all over me. Listen, I need to be doing this spiritual warfare against him with the Word of God. Thank you guys for fixing it. I appreciate that. So every piece of armor relates to the Word of God. Is it important to come to church on Wednesday night? It's important to be in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's important to have your daily devotional time. Is it important to study the Word? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so I've gone through this before, and I'm not going to... You can, if, you, if you're a speed reader, you can go ahead and speed read here. But we are in a warfare. We are 
fighting against our enemy, the devil and his principalities and powers. It is a wrestling match that's going on here. One of the beautiful things about heaven is this is all going to be over with. Amen. Amen. No more wrestling, no more fighting, no more warfare. It's all going to be over with in that day. No more striving. No more having to put on the armor and stand strong as a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. No more contending for the faith. Praise the Lord. That'll be a wonderful day. Well, we need to, we need to fight a good fight of faith lest Satan should get and what? A what? How many of you have ever given Satan an advantage in your life in some area? I have two. Okay. You give him an advantage, he's going to take it, right? He's going to say, thank you very much. I'll take that. And so do not give ground. Do not give place to the devil. Okay, so we're going to be looking at these ways that uh, Satan gets advantage of our own soul and also of our families. Um, now being a grandparent and having all these grandkids and having grandkids at the house every day and watching my children raise kids. So much fun watching your children raise children. It's, it's so much fun. Bethany was there and she was feeding all the girls tonight and they had a mess everywhere. I think they had a rice fight going on there. Just Actually, Bethany said, I need some dogs because the dogs, when the kids start eating, the dogs are under the table right there. Catch what spills over. But I remember my mind went back to my kids making, I remember when we stopped having Kool-Aid. said, that's it? No more Kool-Aid. Because the table would always be sticky, the floor would always be sticky, they just make a mess, and uh, water, that's it. That's all you're going to get from now on. But I remember praying for our kids. Praying for our children. And then those tough, tough teenage years. And you look at these pictures there, and I know many of you have knelt by the bedside of your children. And you've prayed for your children. And I want to say something to you. We need to do more than just pray for our children. We need to do more as these parents are sitting there and exhorting their children in their teenage years. We need to do warfare. On behalf of our children. Satan is a liar. And he so easily deceives, I'm going to say this, especially our teenagers. Our teenagers today need protection as they have never needed protection before. Remember what the Bible says, when the enemy comes in like a what? Flood. Are we not living in that day and age? When the enemy is just pouring in, it literally is like a destructive flood. It's destroying the souls of men and it's destroying our families. We got to get engaged. So 10 enemies of the soul. This is where we're going to go for the next couple of Wednesday nights that then spills over and becomes enemies of the family. We're going to talk about sensual material. So much sensuality, immorality. We're going to talk about sensual material. 
We're going to talk about drugs. Boy, do we ever live in a drug culture now. It's an epidemic. No one knows what to do about it. Throwing more money at it's not going to solve it. But the op opio op opioid <laughs> epidemic concerns everyone now. Alcohol. It's amazing how many Christians that I personally know. And I listen, I function in the independent fundamental Baptist realm. And it's just, it's amazing how many of those who I come in contact with now believe that drinking is okay. It, it, didn't, it didn't used to be that way. Matter of fact, it didn't used to be that way in our country. We have drugs and alcohol, carnal friends. We're going to talk about that tonight, and then we're going to talk about video games. So this is where we're going to go this evening. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about movies and the worldly entertainment. I just is pouring into our soul and into our families. We're going to talk about cell phones. Got to talk about that, right? Oh my! Let's see, you're all excited about that one. We're going to talk about social media. Let me get on my hobby horse. We're going to talk about dating. Okay? And then we're going to talk about carnal music. These are what I believe are ten powerful enemies of our soul and of our families that we need to fight against in the day and age in which we live. They're coming in like a flood. So let's look at the consequences when we read or when we view sensual. When I talk about sensual, I'm talking about immoral material. Men, are you ready? Romans 12, oh, excuse me, Romans 2, 14 through 16. Who will take it? Men, seriously, I need you tonight just to take it and go and look it up and read it. Who will take this? Okay, Mr. Pierce. You will experience guilt. You start getting involved in sensuality and all this garbage that's so prevalent today. It, isn't it amazing the sexual crimes that are being committed today? And we, we all stand in horror of these sexual crimes that are going on and who are committing these sexual crimes. And yet we're just feeding our culture with it. As a man thinketh in his what? heart so is he you feed on that sensual junk and what's in your heart when given the opportunity is going to come out and then we're all aghast someone just came to me last sunday and they were so hurt because uh, a coach that was involved in their children's life has just been found out to It's just everywhere. It's in the schools. It's in the workplace. It's in the church. And I believe it's because we are feeding ourselves with this junk. So we experience guilt by violating the moral laws of God, which he has written in all of our hearts. Do you know that man has a sense of right and wrong? So let's look at Romans chapter 2, verse 14 to verse 16. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do 
by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law to themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. The day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Okay, so here we find the conscience. What happens when the, when the conscience is pricked and you feel guilt in your conscience and then you violate your conscience and you go ahead and do it anyway, what happens to your conscience? Becomes seared. Next, you sow the seeds of destruction to your flesh. Galatians 6, 7 through 8, who will take it? Why don't you guys stand when you do this? We can hear you better. We got it. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Be not what? Be not mocked. God is not mocked. Be not deceived. God, God is not going to be mocked when he comes to this. Now go ahead. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh. He that soweth to his what? The flesh. All this sensual material that's out there. He that soweth to his flesh, listen. Shall of the flesh reap corruption. Shall reap what? Does it say may reap corruption? Shall reap corruption. Thank you. You don't need to go any further. Let's go to the next one. You promote the goal of humanism. What is humanism? It's right there. Humanism is saying if it feels good, what? If it feels good, do it. Okay? Give in to the pleasures of the flesh. Ephesians 5, 1 through 6. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ often in love does, and have given himself for us an offering as a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling Savior. Fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness. Okay, fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, what happened? Let it not once be named among you as become the saints. Let it not what? Not once. So what are we saying? Don't go there. Don't go there. Okay, go ahead. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, rather giving them thanks. For this ye know, nor longer nor opening person. Covetous man, with idolatry, that they inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Pretty clear? Let's go to the next one. You literally are promoting prostitution by engaging in this lewdness. Now, how many of you think? that Christian men and Christian women are involved in this stuff. If you don't think it, you're wrong. Because it's so accessible, because it's on our phones, which we'll get to next week, because it's on our computers, because it's just a click away. Remember the enemy that sowed them is the devil. It's so accessible to us. 
Second Peter chapter 2, we're not going to read that passage. I can't. It's, it's quarter to eight. Let's go to the next one. You dull your spiritual senses and you grieve the Holy Spirit. Here's where it talks about how you grieve the Holy Spirit when that deadening of the conscience then takes place. Have you ever noticed that maybe there was a time when you used to listen to something or hear something that was very offensive to you, but then the more you listened to it, the less offensive it became? Or you saw something very offensive to you, and maybe you turned it off or you walked away, but then the next time you maybe watched it a little bit longer, and then pretty soon you find yourself entertained by it? How did that little poem go? Sin is a monster of such awful means, but to be hated means but to be seen, but seen too oft. And that's, that's what's happening today. We're seeing it often. But seen too oft, familiar with face, we first pity and then we, we embrace. It's exactly what is happening when it comes to the sensuality that we're dealing with right here. Next, you damage your marriage by committing spiritual adultery. He that looketh at a woman to what? Lust after her hath committed adultery already, vice versa. So damaging to a marriage when a husband or a wife is found that they are reading, looking at sensual material. You ready to move on to the next enemy? Okay, guys, help me out. It's froze up. Now we're going to look at the consequences when you consume drugs, we're in a drug culture, or you drink alcohol. Let's all go to Proverbs chapter 23. Three of our points we're going to pull out of Proverbs 23, 31 through 32. First of all, you will bring destruction upon yourself. Right? I need some man to stand and read this one, 31 and 32. Matt? Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. Okay, stop there. So you can still stand. I'm going to keep on. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my thoughts here. The Bible tells us not to even look at wine. Yes or no? Look not upon the wine. Why does the Bible tell us not to look at it? We won't be tempted by it. Okay? So I'm telling you, those Christians who want to justify drinking have a real hard time with this verse. Okay, keep going. When it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. When it moveth itself, the bubbly, right? Keep going. At the last, it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an air. It looks so good. It looks so inviting. And exactly what Satan does. But it biteth like a serpent and an adder. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to get bit. So stay away from this stuff. Next, verse 33 through verse 34. Who will take that? We see that it will lower your inhibitions to evil. Come on, guys. Thine eyes shall behold strength, woman, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will seek it yet again. Go back and I'll seek it again. Just talking about how it lowers your inhibitions to evil, giving yourself into immorality, drugs, drinking, rock music, immorality, it, it all's a bundle. Verse 35. Daniel, I think you may have read verse 35. Did he read verse 35? Okay. Someone read ther- verse 35, talks about how it'll bring addiction to you. You know one good way not to become a drunk? Don't drink. Okay, 35. We'll take it. We'll read it again. What? Right, read it again. Yeah. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will see it yet again. Go back as destructive as it is, I'll go back to it again and again. Even though it's destroying my life, I'll go back to it. Stay away from it. It's an enemy of the soul. It also can cause weaker Christians to stumble. The Bible said, Don't put a stumbling block on occasion to fall in the brother's way. How, ma- how many of you would think it'd be okay if I had a few wine coolers in my refrigerator? Anybody here think that'd be okay? Even those who try to justify social drinking that I have talked to would say, no, it's not okay for you. Why do they say it's not okay for me? Because one of the qualifications for a pastor is that he's not given to wine. But let me say this. If it's not okay for me, why is it okay for you? I've never gotten that point. The reason you think that I shouldn't have a few wine coolers in my refrigerator is because it could pervert my judgment. But also, you would all say, no, that would be a stumbling block. If our teenagers went to the pastor's house and opened his refrigerator and there were some wine coolers in there, that would not be good. How many think that would not be good? So get them out of your refrigerator. You also endanger the lives of your children and you also endanger the lives of others. Ephesians chapter 5. Again, we don't have time to, I can't believe how quickly that clock is going. But I want to put this up here for you. What parents allow in moderation, your children will do in excess. Remember, there's a couple that visiting our church and my wife and I decided we'd go out and visit with them. And so we told them we'd like to come out and visit and they said, well, well, if you come, we'll, we'll have a meal. And I go, okay, if you want to have us over for a meal, that would be great. So we went into their house, and here's this whole rack of wine coolers. Or, or of, not wine coolers, of, um, you know, the crisscross things where you put the wine bottles? 
I really believe that those, that that couple didn't see anything wrong with it. But what was the message they were sending to their children? What's the message? Come on, talk to me. It's okay to drink. You also will damage your body and also damage your testimony. Romans 14, 22 through 23. Who will take that? Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he needeth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If you cannot do something with absolutely a pure, clear conscience, whatsoever is not of faith, what is it? It's sin. And personally, I, I cannot understand, I cannot see how a Christian can drink alcohol with a clear conscience. Now I want to go into this a little, a little bit more detail here. I pulled that picture up because that is a symbol of the medical community. Now the Bible says, give not place to the what? To the devil. I want you to see this satanic symbol. And I want you to look at it. On one side, on the right-hand side, we have the medical symbol. I was um, putting this together, going through it, and Zane walked into my office, and he says, I've seen that. And I said, where have you seen that? He said, I've seen that on ambulances. I said, yep. I said, you'll see it in the hospitals. You'll see this symbol. I want you to notice what's coming out of the crotch of Satan. What is it? It's that same symbol, isn't it? Okay. Now this goes back to Moses and the serpent in the wilderness. Remember how the children of Israel were murmuring and God had had it. <laughs> By the way, you know, the sin that God judged the most severely in the scriptures was the sin of complaining. It's a good idea that we not do that. So here all the children of Israel and their wilderness wanderings are all murmuring and complaining and let's go back to Egypt with the leeks and the onions and the garlic and we're going to die out here in the wilderness. And so God brings judgment upon them. And Moses crafts this snake and puts it on a pole and just tells the people, you, listen, if you get snake bit, you look to that pole and what will happen when they look to the pole? They be healed. Now we know what the Bible says that that was a representative of Jesus Christ. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be what? Lifted up on the cross. And if we will just look to Him in our sin sickness, we would be healed. But Satan has taken this. this the, Satan has taken the medical community. By the way, the love of money is the root of all what? That should make you stop and think about the medical community. But coming out of the crotch of Satan, 
is this symbol. Sorcery. This is very interesting. The Greek word is pharmakia. This is the word from which we derive the word pharmacy. Isn't that interesting? Sorcery, pharmacy. So there is a connection between drugs and the occult. You need to understand, what have we just recently done all throughout America? Legalized marijuana. How foolish have we become? That's, that is, and that is just a gateway drug. Alcohol, marijuana leads to... But pharmacy. Also it means druggist, poisoner... Notice this, giver of potions in order to stimulate hallucinations or visions. Why do we have such a drug culture today? Because Satan literally is taken over. Sorcery is taking over. I went through... This thing has a mind of its own. I went through the scriptures and I found, I don't know, Dan, if you went through and read every one of these when you did your thing on alcohol. 75. 75 warnings. You know, you, th you think if God warns you about something just once, it'd be a good idea to listen. 75 warnings concerning the use of alcohol in the scriptures. I'm sure you got those all written down, right? So after all those warnings, don't you think it'd just be a good idea to stay away from drugs and alcohol? And if you're being treated by the medical community, be very discerning. I'm not, against, I, I'm not in any way against doctors. I'm not against hospitals. I'm thankful that Miriam was able to go to emergency last night and get the help that she needed. But I'm here to tell you, listen, even when politicians become concerned <laughs> about what's happening, you know it's serious out there. This is one of the things that those who are running for office now are running on. How are we going to solve the drug problem in America? You know how you're going to solve it? It's called the gospel. All right, let's go to the next one. Is the consequence of having carnal friends. You'll be corrupted by their evil character. Have you noticed you become like those you hang around? The Bible says don't even make friends with an angry man unless you learn his ways becomes a snare to your soul. Evil friendships corrupt good morals. You'll become like those you hang around. You will develop their carnal way of thinking. I'm a, I'm a 
just be honest with you, sometimes when I'm preaching, I see some of our young people there and I see them smirking and making fun and I can tell they're making comments about the preaching. Mike, it is a shame. They don't know. They're ignorant. But because they're with their carnal friends, they just pick up their carnal way of thinking. It's not good. You will follow their example. You'll be corrupted by their character. You will start developing their way of thinking and you will start following their example. Your heart will also be turned away from your parents. And one thing it says there in Proverbs 27, verse 10, if you're going to make sure you're friends, it says make sure they're also your father's friend. If they can't be a friend of your father's, they shouldn't be a friend of yours. Then isn't that a good principle to live by? Corrupted by their evil character. Develop their carnal way of thinking. You start following their example, and then your heart is turned away from your parents. As this happens, your heart's obviously turned away from the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Who turned Solomon's heart away from the Lord? His strange wives. You believe that? Solomon, the one who David exhorted by his bedside as he passed into eternity to fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments. The man that started out so well wrote the book of Proverbs. The wisdom that that man had and yet his strange wives turned away his heart from following after the Lord. He started worshiping false gods. One of the gods he worshipped was the god of Moloch, where they would take little babies and throw them into the burning belly. The the belly of Moloch was a furnace, and they would take little babies and throw them into the burning belly of this god Moloch. That shows you the the influence that others can have on our lives. (coughs) Next, you will violate God's principle of separation. Come out from among them and be what? Separate, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, saith the Lord. Listen, you cannot have unclean friends and stay clean. Also, you will bring upon yourself the judgment of God. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, verse 14, and then verse 25 through verse 33. We're going to read them all. Who will take those for us? My son, sinners entice thee, and send thou not. Cast in that lot among us, let us all have one curse. If ye have said it not, all my counsel, would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. 
Your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When your distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, and I will not answer. They shall seek me early, and they shall not find me. Do you all realize how serious that is? And when God says you would not listen to me, you would not listen to the preacher. Remember that Wednesday night when he talked about this? Remember how you turned him off? Now your calamity has come upon you. God said, I will sit literally in heaven and I will laugh. Because it's the only way you're going to learn. Keep going. For that they have hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat up the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning of the way of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall, quiet, shall be quiet in the fear of evil. Powerful passage, isn't it? And now we're going to end tonight, and I'm going to go through this quickly. A consequence of playing evil, violent video games. Again, even the secular community is beginning to realize the damage that these video games are causing. First of all, you'll waste valuable time. It is unbelievable. I'm so thankful I never got into that stuff. I remember... Uh, Zane asked me today, he said, he said, Grandpa, did you ever play video games? I said, he goes, when you were like young? And I, I said, uh, you know, the only video game back then was Pac-Man. That was about, you know, that was about it. I do remember playing a fishing game one time. I did bad at that. And I remember playing a hunting game. I thought, that's stupid. It was stupid. But I, ne I never got it. I never, I'm so thankful I never got into that. So many of our young people. It's, it's just unbelievable. They literally are addicted. First Corinthians 6 and verse 12 says not to be brought under the power, the addictive power of anything. But they become addicted to it. Maybe it's a personality trait that some people have. I don't know. I know it's, so, it's just so damaging. It damages relationships. It damages relationships between parents and children, between husbands and wives. I know some wives that, I'm serious, they are so angry at their husbands because of the amount of time their husbands spend playing video games. Just damages relationships. You then develop that whole worldly philosophy. You know what? It has to be, the, the violence that is propagated on almost all of these video games, it has to have something to do with the violence that we see in our communities. It has to. There has to be a connection. And I think there is. I think a lot of these shootings that are going on, if they get into it, they find, and we have, have seen that, that most of those who are doing this thing, they're, they're into these violent video games, right or wrong. Here's the big one. You, you lose interest in spiritual things and eternal things. 
You're not thinking about spiritual things when you're over there blowing someone up and chopping off their head and running them through blood splattering everywhere. I remember um, this was years ago. I was concerned about a young man in our church and his parents were concerned about him and I thought I'd go over and visit him one day and they said he, he's up in his room playing video games. This was in the middle of the afternoon. So I went up to his room, opened the door and walked in and he just kind of looked at me and back at the video games. And uh, he was so into this game, it was World of Warcraft. And I, I guess that's not a popular game anymore, I don't know. But he's sitting there playing it, and I'm in his room, and he, he could not pull himself away from that game. He was so into it. And I just began to look at it, and I'm like, this is, that is wicked. That was wicked. And so, no wonder the young man had no heart for the Lord. <laughs> you expose yourself to Satan's power and control. He, he loves what's going on with this stuff. He's destroying people's lives. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh round about, seeking whom he may what? If he can use video games to do it, he will. And he has. They'll also use you to entangle others in this snare. Because now what do we do? We play online with others, right? And it's 10 o'clock at night. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's 12 o'clock at night. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. And they're still what? They're still playing. And our kids are being trapped at a young age. And one of the reasons they're being trapped, and some of you young parents here, I've seen you do this, is give your phones, give your iPads to your kids to babysit them. Better think about what you're doing. Coming up next week. <laughs> now that I've become so popular here, you know why I do this? Because I love you. This is why we touch on subjects that will not be touched on in the majority of our churches. I really do care about you. So coming up next week, don't stay away. We're going to talk about movies and worldly entertainment.
We're going to talk about cell phones again. We're going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about dating. We're going to talk about carnal music. Not that we've never talked about these things before. But uh, we will do it in an abbreviated form. But the, this is my, I'm going to tell you this is my opinion. I believe that these are ten enemies that are absolutely destroying our souls. And as it destroys us, it destroys our families. And as it destroys our families, it destroys our churches. As it destroys our churches, it destroys our culture. We are the ones that are called upon to be salt and light. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.